you know, Don would start off when he saw you being Don Rickles, but he couldn't maintain it. Like he would say, why do I have to do this Mickey Mouse interview with you? Or he'd say, you know, you must be Jewish. Your nose, is that a nose or is it a Zeppelin? You know, that kind of stuff. Hi guys, we are back with David Fantel and Tom Johnson, the writers of Hollywood Heyday, 75 interviews with the Golden Age legends. And boy, you're not kidding. Charlton Heston, Bob Hope, Lucille Ball, everybody, you guys absolutely nailed these interviews. So one of them in the book is kind of caught Larry in my eye is Don Rickles. It, we loved Don Rickles all the way until his 90th year uh, uh, in life, right? And you guys got the chance to meet with him. And, and I understand, Tom, you got nailed by him in a yeah. comedy show. Yeah. Tell us about tell us about Don. Yeah, Don, he, oh, well, he was just, you know, he was a, he was a tank. He was insane. He's like a Sherman tank on stage. And he, I saw him, I was in the audience with a friend of mine who wasn't Dave at this point, but um, uh, I was in Vegas. We were at the Desert Inn and this friend of mine was sort of a high roller. So we got like third, second row seats at the uh, floor show in the Desert Inn. It was Don Rickles. So, uh, you know, it was just this great thing to see him. And I was really decked out in a, in a double-breasted suit, you know, pinstripe, great tie. I mean, just, yeah, I, I, even for me, I looked good. I mean, it was amazing. So, you know, he's on there and he, you know, how he picks people out of the audience. He just, you know, it's, he's like a shotgun. He just scatter shots everybody. And he picked me out and he said like, oh my God, you must be Italian. Nothing matches. Which I'm like, because they were mostly behind me. They were dying laughing and going, A, I'm as about as Italian as a Swedish meatball. And B, everything matches. I mean, it was, like, it was incredible. He totally he flamed and burned on that, but it didn't matter because it was Rickles and no one, no one saw me. They just heard him. So they immediately responded. And it was funny because he, he, he just got on this Japanese guy in the audience was ripping the hell out of him about, you know, I probably killed your dad. <laughs> You know, and, and like all of this stuff. And, and Rickles was in World War II. So, but at the end, I hung around a little bit later and I saw him, you know, send a bottle of champagne to that uh, that table. The ja and the Japanese guy was dying. He loved yeah. it. So, yeah. but that was the thing about yeah. Rickles too, you know. And a couple, of, I had a few visits with him when he was performing at a um, Indian casino here in Milwaukee and through his publicist, um, Tony O. Was able to get, yeah, Tony O is a manager, and then um, Paul Sheffrin was his publicist. Yeah. But anyways, you know, Don would start off when he saw you being Don Rickles, but he couldn't maintain it. Like he would say, why do I have to do this Mickey Mouse interview with you? Or he'd say, you know, you must be Jewish. Your nose, is that a nose or is it a Zeppelin? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and if you listen to his um, Hello Dummy um, CD from the late 60s, I mean, it's no holds barred. I mean, some of the stuff that he did, of course, would probably 60 years now, you know, get him canceled. Yeah. And I, I was able, like Tom, to see him 
at the um, Sahara at one of the last dinner shows in Las Vegas when it was no holds barred. It didn't matter if you were Polish or African-American or Jewish or Italian. He was equal opportunity. But the thing that's different about Don Rickles and today's comedians, when today's late night comedians rip people, they're ripping people because they don't like you. You know yeah. what I mean? It could be yeah. a politician. If they like you, they don't rip you. But they, if they don't like you, they rip you. Rickles wasn't like that. His, yeah. his, his insult humor came from a place of affection and love, and we're all in this together. And as I saw Don back in sort of his heyday many years ago, and then I saw him at age 88, at um, in Milwaukee and I must tell you it was actually sad because at that point he could no longer walk he came in oh. in a wheelchair he got on the stage in a wheelchair he really could volley off a few of his lines but half of the show was him staring at a screen showing clips of him and his famous friends throughout the years which mm. must have been emotionally hard because he had outlived them all right and so right. it sort of ended on this sad note but again he was totally original he was very spontaneous. And he, as he always said, he wasn't a stand-up comedian with, you know, jokes and punchlines. He was just, you know, totally loose. He, he called it as he saw it. And he was really a great improv insult humorist. And so when you guys were interviewing him, were you expecting to be pummeled or did you know that he was he had a gentler side? Yeah, I know. I knew that. You, he's, he turned a switch on and could be Don Rickles, but that wasn't Don Rickles. Don Rickles was a father, a grandfather, a family man. And again, there was no malice in any of his humor, anyone he poked fun in. One of the great YouTube videos is out there is when he performed at Ronald Reagan's inaugural. I don't know if it was the first or the second. Oh, yeah. And boy, talk about take no prisoners. That was his style. <laughs> he was high energy. He would sweat like a pig. He was insane. <laughs> but you sat down with him in um, the dressing room and he would have a cocktail and he would have his um, a bathrobe on, a silk bathrobe and his tuxedo um, underneath. And he was just, he, Mr. Warmth was in reality a pretty warm gentleman. And he also had the same wife for his entire life and he got married late. It, you know, he was faithful to his wife. He and Don Rickles and, or, uh, and uh, Bob Newhart and his wife, they'd all vacation right. together. I mean, he was just, he, you know, he was very, very different from what you saw on stage. He was really a pussycat. It's interesting because a lot of the people that you talk to in here, whether it was Bob Hope or Charlton Heston or Don Rickles, they all had really long marriages. Makes you wonder if that's kind of what kept them alive. And they all were people who looked to the future, not to the past. You know, they didn't mind talking about the past, but they didn't want to dwell on it. Like, like what you said in one of the earlier podcasts about uh, Bob Hope not wanting to be called a legend because legends are dead. And so uh, I think that's an interesting lesson for the, the menopause man that we, that we cater to. Well, kind of an interesting thing sidebar about Bob Hope was one of the last times I think I ever saw him or maybe anyone ever saw him. He used to go to Bob's big boy in Toluca Lake and he'd be there at like two in the morning. No, you know? well. Yeah. And he'd be there at two in the morning eating an ice cream sundae with his driver. 
in, in one of the pools. <laughs> and, you know, there'd be no one in there, maybe a couple of vagrants, some, you know, insomniacs like he was. And it was, he was in his 90s then. And yeah. he really, 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 but he was approachable. And same with Dean Martin. He'd go to the Hamburger Hamlet in West Hollywood that, that's, you know, not something else now. But he would go, I think, every Thursday. He'd sit at a booth. And people could come up. It was like autograph day. They could come up with anything, you know, for Dean to sign. And he'd, he'd say, hey, pal, okay, you know, and he'd <laughs> whatever. And I mean, but they were both sort of lonely, maybe in a sad way, but also it was, like you said, Larry, just that sort of internal engine that kept them going yeah. for however long it did. Even when they were sort of semi-solitary on a, on a given night, they would be out there and, you know, not just sequestered. One other story that I, I didn't know that w- when I read in your book about Don Rickles, though, is how he how he met and became good friends with Frank Sinatra. Well, yeah, well, they, he was um, and I don't I, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But, yeah, I mean, he was at a club a night. He was performing Rickles at a nightclub and Frank was um, in the audience and. I can't remember the exact story, but he basically had the, the gumption to, um, you know, <laughs> make some crazy insult. And, you know, that sort of um, endeared him to Frank. Yeah. And, you know, him and Frank were friends from the late 50s until yeah. Sinatra passed away. Yeah. It's it something like, um, like, oh, I see Frank Sinatra in the audience. Uh, make yourself comfortable. Get up and hit somebody. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and it was like, you know, and Sinatra, like, you know, which could have been either way, you don't know, but he gambled right. And, uh, you know, and, and it was great. And yeah, he was on, uh, you know, the tonight show with Sinatra all the time doing his whole bitty boom bots thing and kissing the ring. And, and, you know, it was just Sinatra loved him. Just loved him. Yeah. Well, anyways, those stories and more are in Hollywood. Heyday. It's available on Amazon. It's an amazing book with nice little vignettes about a lot of the celebrities that, that, you know, and remember. So go to amazon.com, get it. And guys, thanks for being with us. And uh, we'll see you soon to do another one. Thank you. Thank you.